I'll kind of go chronologically in my life. Cool. And I didn't realize all of these things in chronological order. Okay. So it's important to keep in mind that the stuff I talk about first, I didn't realize till I was in like college or now. Right. But it's still incredibly impactful to my okay. life. So uh, I was born with clinical anxiety, like right away. When I was one, two, three years old, I was overly emotional, overly afraid of almost of literally like almost everything around me except wow. my two parents and my two older sisters. Um, so going through elementary school, things like that, I hated going to school because I thought something bad was going to happen to my mom after she dropped me off at school. She would drive away and I would immediately think to myself, well, like she's going to get into a car accident. She's going to die. This is the last time I'm going to see her. Um, or like I knew that my sisters were down the hall in the same school that I was going to when I was like six or seven, but because I couldn't see them, I couldn't know that they were okay. So I would always be, just be freaking out. Right. Like you couldn't wield your own imagination. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. My mind would run harder than anything else I could, and I couldn't keep that in check at all. So initially, my parents thought, well, like maybe this is like a weird phase he's going through. Like maybe he's just like wants attention maybe he's being a brat and like I didn't know what to think or feel at right. that age either and I, I I also didn't have the words to explain what I was feeling to yeah. people um I think even at our age anxiety is such a difficult thing yeah. to explain yeah yeah so then we moved to Florida in 2004 um I start middle school my anxiety is still pretty bad at that point. It was getting kind of better, but between the move and like my dad staying in Michigan while we moved to Florida for us to like start our lives before he could come down. So I was always worried about my dad and it was like really new. Um, the South is a whole different place from the North. So everything I was accustomed to was no longer, um, a reality for me. So I did therapy. I did psychiatric stuff, went to doctors, um, all of that just so we could start to try to figure this out and how I could start coping with it. So we did start with some minor and major coping mechanisms, some breathing exercises, some mental exercises, and then like meditation and stuff like that. Uh, not necessarily meditation, but just like how to analyze a situation and then bring yourself back into the reality of what's probably happening. Right. So I don't want to use the word unfortunately for me, but by circumstance, um, it wasn't necessarily enough. Uh, it's just the the serotonin levels in my brain are abnormal, and that's the way I am, and that's cool. Um, I have no control over that. So around the end of middle school and into high school, I think, I started on a medication that started helping me balance out those levels, and then I kind of came off them, and then I got to college, and I was off the meds mostly throughout college until my senior year and like the stars aligned perfectly to set me off into this like huge breakdown for like three days straight I didn't sleep I didn't get like any schoolwork done I hardly ate Um, otherwise so back to the feedback part throughout this entire process it was really important for everybody around me to attempt to understand how I was feeling and why I was feeling that way But when you're between 7 and 14 years old trying to explain to all these different doctors and therapists and even your parents. All with different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, this is what I'm feeling. This is why I'm feeling it. They couldn't necessarily understand. So eventually, a therapist, like, gave me a sketchbook and some crayons. And they were like, okay, like, can you draw the way you feel when you have anxiety? Or can you draw how your anxiety comes about? 
So I was very easily, like even in these rudimentary shapes and characters that I was drawing, I was able to explain um, why I was feeling the way I was. And then they could start wrapping their heads around the situation and be like, oh, this is starting to make so much more sense. Right. Like, because, I mean, I have a bad vocabulary as it is. Like, yeah. imagine me at seven or eight. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has to just be horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that taught me to be really open and really vulnerable from a young age, which I've... I think is one of the biggest proponents of why I am where I am today. I'm I'm not afraid to say that I can't do something or that I'm going to fail or that like I need a, some help from mm-hmm. someone. Right. Um so just being open and being vulnerable all the time even though like some people will be assholes about it, of course, and right. but those are the type of people you just have you just, to understand. It's not your life, yeah. Yeah. Uh so that's been that same thing this year. Kind of just like mm-hmm. I I I now value, like the like as I've kind of come into my own as as my own person, mm-hmm. you know the things that I value the most are like transparency, yeah, and being vulnerable and being able to show up to an interview and wearing this yeah. ridiculous shirt, but just saying that's who I am, mm-hmm. and then kind of just letting that kind of shake out like if, if people aren't like you know if they don't want to subscribe to that, that that's fine no yeah and know. it's it's like it's, tot- it's totally the their world. choice yeah, but right. it's also my choice that i right. like i don't need to hide behind this right and that but you could be your most true self and yeah let that shine through and if you don't like it then you know be, yeah be, just be indifferent yeah right it's all good 100% yeah. agree with that so that's definitely. definitely probably the most important one and then also kind of going back to failing being able to fail fast and fail cheaply like right. up front so it's not like saying you can do something and then you can't do it or being like i can tackle this whole project in two days and i know i can do it but deep down you're like fuck i really can't and it's going to cost some people a lot of money when i don't get it to the point it needs to get to so being upfront and honest and then just getting all your shitty ideas out like right away, like like just because you write it down on a piece of paper or you sketch a logo down on a piece of paper that's god awful doesn't mean you're going to be judged as a designer based on that one sketch or you, that one bullet point that you wrote down you're just getting it out of your head to make space right for the next for idea. The better idea yeah that's awesome yeah so i'd stick with those two when did the shift happen because like you had this terrible this kind of crippling anxiety which i think a lot of creative professionals have uh, for whatever reason, there's still a stigma about talking about it. I, right. you know, and if anything, you know, I would hope that this podcast can now serve to kind of other people who are in that same predicament. I mean, it happens. Was when did the shift happen though between that behavior? Because that's a pretty deep, heavy story, and um, and certainly a lot of people like you're, you know, have had that same fate. Yeah. But when did the shift happen from that to standing in front of a stage in front of Sean Adams and Bonnie Siegler and all these people, it was like 400 people or more than that? Like 2,000. 2,000, way off. <laughs> um, so what, was that trying to prove to yourself that you could overcome that fear? Because I'd be worried about like the opinions of the people. and Right. So That's a pretty big shift. That, I think that whole shift happened for me in college. And there's a few reasons I say that. Um, the first shift that really started to happen for me is that before my last two years of college, I didn't necessarily have like a be- like a best friend or like a group of just the people I would always hang out with. Like I had it for kind of a little bit here and there, but it fell apart pretty quickly. Um, 
so all and it, I totally blame my anxiety and myself for that because I'm like scared of human connection at that point in my life. I'm scared to like leave and venture out and do things you like manifest that. narratives in your head? Because I have that a little bit. It's like if they don't, if they, you know, if somebody doesn't respond, then I automatically assume that they're plotting against me and trying to destroy me. Like it's weird. Not in that way, but like if if I were to like text someone who I love and I didn't get a response back within a few hours, I'd be like, you'd assume they're dead. They're dead. Wow. Yeah. I think my mom has that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So. So going into college, I was really struggling with this idea of human connection and why. I couldn't necessarily connect with anybody and I couldn't have a best friend and have these things I was seeing all around me for the past 19 years, whatever it was. Right. Um, so it was also kind of to the point where I thought I didn't necessarily deserve a, a connection like that in my life because I thought if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. So the time kind of came in and passed. Right. And so I was coming to terms with, well, I probably don't deserve this anymore. So I'm just going to see like what design can do for me, um, things like that. But, uh, and you said you were going to ask me about like a train wreck situation. Yeah. So I'm just going to get into that yeah. as well. So we're, we're right here. <laughs> yeah. So I was 20 years old. I was coming home. I was in Ormond Beach driving to Palm Coast, Florida, which is where my parents live. I was taking pictures at a charity event in Ormond Beach. And I was driving home at 1.40-something in the morning, right. maybe 2, and I get plowed through by a drunk driver. So I was going about 70, 75 in the right lane, and this drunk driver was going over 100. So they they came up just kind of behind me and smashed right through me what? and just like kept going. So it kind of lifted my car, and I went a little bit that way, then back, and then spun out into the guardrail. So I slammed into the guardrail and came back and I hit my head on the window and um and you were 20? Mhm. Wow. I was 20 at the time. And then I roll back across and my car stops in the middle lane, but like the headlights fell out and it's, my car's like crunched up. So I remember seeing the guardrail coming and I was trying to steer through it, but I so I gripped the steering wheel as hard as I could before I hit the guardrail because I was like, well, this is happening. Um, so when all was said and done, I was still like death gripping the steering wheel. Wow. And so then I like slowly, I remember like slowly removing my hands from the steering wheel and I, I audibly said, holy fuck. And then I took my seatbelt off, got out, went over to the shoulder and just like looked around. And then that's when my head started pounding, pounding, pounding. Um, and so my car's in the middle of the highway I don't know like where my phone is or like what just happened. There's no other car there. So the guy kept going. So there are cars going by and I'm trying to flag someone down, but people aren't stopping and I'm getting like really flustered and angry. <laughs> so yeah. I, I step in front of this, this minivan. I put my hands up and I yelled, stop your fucking car, wow. which is kind of a dick move in hindsight because he was already stopping and he already had 911 on the line. <laughs> so <laughs> nice guy. Yeah, this guy was awesome. So he pulled over, he handed me the phone. I talked to the dispatcher right. about like, this is where I am. I'm not entirely sure what happened, uh, but it's a bad car accident. Um, you should probably send someone paramedics like feeling my spine and at that point i'm coming down from the adrenaline so i black out like really hard right away 
yeah, so they start strapping me down. I come lunging back out of it, but being blacked out is like the greatest sleep I've ever had, even though it was only like 20 seconds. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was like the most peaceful thing. So I come lunging back out, and they like push me back down onto the board. And I look around, and I was like, did I just get hit by a car? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, man, that really sucks. <laughs> so then, um, like, I was having a hard time believing that all of this was happening to me and so quickly. So I, like, stopped there, and I was like, someone take a picture so I can see it tomorrow that this is happening right now. So, like, my dad took a photo. They strapped me down, put me in the thing, MRI. I have, like, a, a concussion, some cuts, bruised all over, right. whatever. Um, so back to the point of the story. I was told eight times by eight different people that I shouldn't be alive. Um, in that moment, I definitely felt like I shouldn't be alive as well. Um, so after that, I told myself, and this was a pivotal time, I think, in my design career as well, because I was, I was also really struggling to understand what good design was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out my life was saved by good design by a guy who worked for Volkswagen. Um, he designed the seatbelt. <laughs> wow. And it's because of his good design, good functional, like no bells and whistles design that I'm still here today. Wow. Um, and you didn't sustain any broken... No, just like bruised, bruised up a lot, cuts Crazy. and stuff. I had a concussion, so I had to stay up for a day. It was definitely a moment where I was like, okay, I'm attempting to fit into these different molds of design that are really popular right now and all these different things in life that seem like the like everybody's doing them. But I was like, at the, literally the day after I told myself, fuck that, I'm only going to design things that I think are like good and worthy of being put out. I'm only going to put my efforts into people and experiences that make me happy. And I'm only going to attempt to live my life as, as honestly as I can, whether wow. that, whether that's a positive thing or a negative thing for me or for someone else, but it just has to be that way for me from now on. So that's when I started to realize that how could I ever expect somebody to have a human connection with me if I wasn't going to put in the effort to have a human connection with them. Wow. So, and that's, that's, and now I have friends that I call family and I have friends that are way closer to me than like other relatives and things like that. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. Dude, this podcast is going completely different than I thought it was. (laughs) This is amazing. That's amazing. That yeah. really is pretty Yeah, so ever since then, yeah, some people... I'm so were, happy that we had this. this is, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to uh, share this with everyone. It's so cool. <laughs> That's amazing, though. It really is. So, yeah, I just... I really believe Cheers in, like, that, a man. no bullshit. Cheers to you being alive. Thank you. You too. Yeah. I feel like we should almost, like, wrap it up. Right? Yeah, whatever. Let's do it. Let's keep drinking. Yeah. Dude. All right. So, um, Adam, where can people find you online? I love the name of your company, by the way. I just bought some your chat before. I think Adam's... <laughs> So cool. Thank you. Yeah, so upandadam.co or upandadam.design. I own both. Um, up.and.adam on Instagram. I don't really tweet. If I tweet, it's pretty rare. It's mostly just like... a great Instagram feed. I really dig your Instagram feed. Thanks. That's the one I put the most work into. And I only have a Facebook, so my mom knows I'm still alive. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's kind of why I have it. I also just share my Instagrams to it. Yeah. To let her know that I'm still alive. Yeah. (laughs) So... This podcast has been awesome. Yeah. Very different, but very awesome. Great. You're a unique character. This has been a a pleasure, a privilege. Anytime. Bye.
We're gonna continue drinking. Oh, of course. Don't think this is over. Shots. We're just getting started. We're going to do shots now. Be the creatives. Chuck the deuce up. One love. Mind controlling the body. 
Yeah, of, co- of course. I'm so in control of my, my mind and my body that I'm subconsciously forcing myself into a state of self-bondage entangled by the ropes of my own mind. I am unhappy, not with life, but with this feeling. I am scared. I am human. I am a man, but I look in the mirror and I see a child. I am an adult who recognized grown-ups don't really know shit, and they never did. And it scares me because now I'm just a grown-up who doesn't know shit. But one thing I do know is this feeling, this horrible feeling is going to kill me. No. No, this feeling, this anxiety is nothing. I have anxiety, just like you, the person I wrote this for. And together we will overcome this feeling. We will remember despite the attacks and constant feeling of our mind and body being on the edge that we are alive. In any moments we have free of this feeling, we will not take for granted. We will rejoice in this gift that is life. We will rejoice in this day that we have been given. We will accept our anxiety and strive for the betterment of ourselves, starting with mental health. We will accept ourselves as we are, and we will be happy with the person we see in the mirror. We will accept ourselves and live with anxiety. That's the first in my life I've ever done something like that. I'm not really sure how it goes. <laughs> <laughs>